1: You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. Welcome back to another 49ers Rush podcast, and we are going to continue our breakdown of the 53-man roster, my predictions at each position. Today, we get inside linebackers, which is very tough to kind of detail in this defense, but basically our non-Leo guys, so non-pass rushers. So Peta, Elijah Lee, Eli Harold, Atachu, all those guys, Marsh, they're not going to be in this episode. We are focusing on the inside linebackers, namely that kind of Mike and Will spot. So just a couple things that we're going to talk about. We're going to break down Reuben Foster, spend most of our time on him and what to expect. The youth movement continues with our draft picks. And guess what, guys and ladies? One week. We have one week till training camp starts on July 25th. And our first preseason game against Dallas. Oh, man. August 9th is just about three weeks away. We are so close. Oh, it's, so, it's such a great time. So I'm going to keep pumping these episodes out. And make sure that we cover every position in detail and make sure that you know everything that's going on and what to look for as we get closer to training camp because there's just so much great things ahead so without further ado let's jump into our positional breakdowns and again contracts strengths weaknesses what the play was like last year what to expect this year this is what we're going to do with all of these guys we talk about today and even the ones that just missed out so Last year, the 49ers kept four inside linebackers on their initial 53-man roster. And I'm going to have them doing that again this year. And we have a little bit more depth. Training camp last year, we lost Malcolm Smith right off the bat. And then just early on into the year, all the stuff with Bowman happened, and we eventually let him go. Injuries to Reuben Foster. All kinds of different things happened. And we kind of lost what depth we had and that kind of went out the window so we are going to be keeping four and there's three locks and that last spot is up for grabs uh the, definitely an early lead there and we'll get into that but let's start off talking about our locks now number one and probably one of the brightest spots in last year's entire play in 2017 was reuben foster a first round pick that we traded up into the first round to get out of Alabama, the linebacker, he's only 24 years old, 6'1", 228. And the strengths to his game, uh, just explosiveness and amazing instincts. He flies through traffic as well as any linebacker in the entire NFL. And when he shows up, he shows up with bad intentions. He is trying to hurt somebody. Now, the weaknesses, which he does have, uh, is durability. He was, he was on the ground as much as any player on our entire team but he's tough as hell, and this is kind of what happens whenever you play so violently like he did last year. You show up, and you're throwing your 228-pound body into Leonard Fournette, going full speed right into each other. These things are going to happen, and you add to that the -the off-the-field issues, which I I understand what we'll talk a little bit about, but, you know, he's just had an off-season, just a nightmare off-season. Basically, the worst-case scenarios back and you know back to back to back he had three crazy things happen in a row you know the domestic abuse stuff and then it gets into the marijuana possession then the gun then the ammo clips and all these different things are going on and it just looks like his career is over and a lot of twitter jumped on early as twitter does and everybody's a legal expert nowadays. And so they tell you all these things are going to happen and blah, 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 blah. Well, the 49ers did the wait and see approach. And they came out and they said, if these things are proven to be true, he will no longer be a 49er. And, you know, the process bared out with the domestic violence stuff. And sure enough, you know, she made everything up, is what she testified to. And they dropped all those charges. And that was kind of the big one. Now, the marijuana charges in Alabama, which, again, he, it was a possession. Um, he didn't test positive. He was caught with it inside of a car with some friends. And so this counted as the second strike in the substance abuse program. If you remember and go back, um, his first offense was at the Combine whenever he tested with a diluted sample. And so it, we have these two charges against him with marijuana, and neither one of them was did he test positive. He had a diluted sample, which counts as a positive, and then he had this arrest with possession. Now, again, in California, you are allowed to have it. It is legal in California. It's not in Alabama, but it is legal in Cali, but it was in Alabama at the time. And then his gun charge that he got in California, this is... <laughs> That gun is legal in Alabama, but it's not in California. So we get a weed, uh, marijuana possession in Alabama, which is illegal there. And then we get a gun charge in California, which is illegal there. If you switch those states and those offenses, this wouldn't even be registered. Now, I'm not trying to, you know, say it shouldn't count. It should count. He needs to be much smarter And he needs to make better choices and friends and who he hangs around with. And he needs to understand in this social climate, especially in San Fran, there is no need to have that gun around. You are a target, and that is only going to make things worse. not saying he can't protect himself. I'm just saying the manner in which he chose to do that was very, very um, (laughs) – it was not smart. He didn't plan that out. So he gets dealt a two-game suspension. Now, this is by far – the best-case scenario any 49ers fan, Ruben Foster himself, could have dreamt about in these situations. And the two-game suspension that was handed down from the league, there were zero mentions about the domestic abuse, and there was only mentioned about the marijuana charges and the unlawful possession of the gun. So this is huge. This is such a blessing. And I just hope that you know, when we report on these things as for, you know writers, or fans or whatever it's very easy to get lost in man this screws with the 49ers schedule but we have to kind of do a timeout and just say i just hope this kid gets his life straight he's so fun to be around and he's awesome just to see on tv and his personality is amazing and just the way that he affects so many people you hate to see this trajectory continue and i understand that you could make the argument, well, he didn't really do anything wrong, technically, but you keep putting yourself in these situations, it's going to catch up to you. So he's already a two-time offender in the substance abuse program, and the next one will probably be a six-game suspension or perhaps even a full year. So please, 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 I just, I'm just i rooting for this kid. Uh, I believe in him, and I want what's best for him, as well as the football team that we root for uh, in cover, but... Man, you just got to root for the individual sometimes. So hopefully he gets this all under control, and it's the last time that we hear about these things. That, that's kind of the goal. Now, let's focus on football because that's what we're here about. His 2017 play was absolutely phenomenal. Now, he did miss a lot of games. He only played 10 games. He missed six because of injuries. First off, he sprained his ankle in the very first week that he went out there, and that caused him to miss five games. Now, the fact that it was a high ankle sprain and he came back after five games is pretty impressive. Usually it takes six to eight weeks, but he came back a little early, which was legit. Then his very next game back, he gets a rib injury. And he tried to play through it and was willing to play through it. And they thought that he wouldn't miss a game. But then he started getting back spasms. On the, on the flight to the next game. So they had to h- hold him out, uh, just precautionary, everything else on that side. And, again, I've talked about this. Whenever you hit as violently as he does, it does damage to both of you. And he goes down way too often on the field. Kyle Shanahan joked during a midseason press conference that, you know what? He told him, he's like, Ruben, I'm not going to keep going out there anymore. Uh, you go down way too much. So I'm not going out there anymore. Stay healthy, stay up, stay on the field. But when he was on the field, he was beyond dominant. The 49ers rush defense had been the laughingstock of the NFL for two years straight. I mean, it has just been abysmal. The amount of games where we had given up either 100 yards rushing or a rushing touchdown was the longest in the past 12 years in the NFL. And as soon as he stepped in, that stuff was gone. He was the number four rated linebacker according to Pro Football Focus, and I know I use Pro Football Focus numbers a lot, but that's only because I love how they watch every single play multiple times and can grade out positive slash negative things. And what it does is, even whenever I coached, we would do this. We would grade out players on every single play, and what we would do is, if you made an amazing play, you could get a plus two. If you had just a horrible play and you ruined everything, you get a minus two. If you had no effect on a play, you got a zero or a neutral grade. And you add those up over the course of 70 to 80 snaps. And what it does is it gives you a really good snapshot on the interpretation that a player has on the outcome of a game and if you get all these positive things and everybody playing in their their role then you're usually going to have a positive outcome on that as well because football is the ultimate team sport it's not just you get one guy and you win like lebron james in the nba it's it's not that. that that's not what it is this is the ultimate team game and the fact that you only play on one side you've got 11 starters on each side that's 22 Add in special teams now you're talking close to 30 guys per team so it changes that so as I talk about PFF, all it does is give us a snapshot to compare how they are playing against their contemporaries. So he rated number four overall, and the only people that rated ahead of him were Bobby Wagner, Levante David, and Luke Keekley. And not by much. He was very, very close to both of those. He had 25 run stops on 223 snaps, which comes out to an 11.2 run stop percentage, which basically means this. For every 10 rushing plays that the 49ers defense is out there, Reuben Foster is going to stop 1 out of 10 by himself. That was tied for 5th best in the entire NFL. And again, he is one of only 5 linebackers, and this is outside and inside linebackers, to rank in the top 10 versus run and coverage. He has no holes in his game. He's a true 3-down backer that you keep out for the entire game. Um, He was also rated the 5th highest rookie, by pro football focus and the only reason why it was fifth is because his snap count was lower than everybody else the players that uh, had better grades Tre'Davious white cornerback for uh buffalo who should have been defensive rookie of the year in my opinion then the defensive rookie of the year uh, marcus Lattimore. then uh kamara and hunt uh kareem hunt and alvin kamara which you know obviously those were two offensive rookie juggernauts but just to be mentioned in that category man that is five all pro type players and he was right behind them and hopefully this year he jumps up ahead of those now he missed six games which i talked about and that's going to be kind of the negatives is injuries and off the field that's it when he's on the field, it is lights out. And he's the type of guy you build a defense around because he makes everybody better. The linebacker's job is to make the defense right. And sometimes you just got to make a play. And that's, that's who he is. Now let's talk a little bit about his contract and break that down and why. And you'll see this as this youth movement continues. This is why we have so much cap space because rookie deals are where teams are able to finesse the cap and stay underneath where they need to be so because we traded up into the first round to get him we have a fifth year option available uh which is great so that's five years that we'll have him on this deal now uh against cut this year he counts 1.9 million next year 2.4 2020 only 2.8 million which is so cheap and then in 2021 we have an option available for him now There's a lot of misinformation out there with how this rookie fifth-year option works. So let me just take a minute for my salary cap nerds out there and help you understand exactly how these numbers are computed. Now, the options for rookie first-rounders are in two different categories. Okay, There's 32 picks. If you are a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, you go into your own slot. And what they do is, let's say in the case of Reuben Foster, if he was top 10, Uh, Actually, let's go Solomon Thomas because he was what's going to happen is once you pick up his fifth year option He is only guaranteed through injury So you can still cut that person you're gonna have a cap hit But if he gets injured in his fourth year because again, you have to pick the You have to pick the option up before the fourth year is played that guarantees that player through injury So if they have a two-year big injury during that time, they are fully guaranteed for salary But what it does is it averages the top ten highest at that position? So, for example, let's go to Solomon Thomas, who's a defensive end. You take your top 10 defensive ends. You average their salaries. That's what the fifth-year option is going to be. Now, if you are picked from the 11th through the last pick in the first round, the 32nd pick, you take the average of the third through 25th highest paid people at that position for that given year. So, in the case of Reuben Foster, you do the third linebacker all the way through the 25th linebacker you average that out and that's what is going to be his fifth year option so one thing to keep note there the CBA expires in 2020 so watch out because this is going to be a big one I really do hope that the players get guaranteed contracts out of that and they get rid of the franchise tag but we will see now let's jump over to our third round pick Fred Warner who I am super excited about uh, if you have not seen, I did a full, uh, for the 49ers Hub, I did a full video audio breakdown. Uh, about 25 minutes of just breaking down certain plays and his strengths with audio stuff. And I'll, I'll put that back up on my pinned tweet on Twitter. So if you want to check that out, highly recommend it. Just go look, up, look me up on Twitter, JL underscore Chapman. It's my pinned tweet. I'll do that right after I make this. Now, we got him in the third round. He was the 70th overall pick, rookie out of BYU. And he is a fun kid because... Man, he's just interesting. He's 22 years old. He's six three, 226. There's not a lot of comps for outside linebackers that fit this description. Really, you, there's, there's just not a lot out there. Telvin Smith is probably the closest option, but he doesn't play like Telvin Smith, so it's a bad player comparison. So he's very, very unique. Now, the strengths to his game, he's very long, he's very versatile, and he is a textbook player and what i mean by that is he will never be outside of his responsibility he's he's the antithesis to ruben foster ruben foster is going to go blow up make a gigantic huge knockout hit and be on sport center that's not who fred warner is fred warner is a cleanup guy that is always going to have his gap integrity as the first and foremost responsibility will never get beat outside and he is going to make all those soft plays that will not be on SportsCenter, but will show up in the stat book. So the weaknesses of his game, however, is definitely inexperience. He played a lot of different positions at BYU, and he's a tweener. And what I mean by that is he doesn't have a true position. His body type, he's built like a defensive end, but he plays like a safety. So he's a guy that you kind of have to carve out a role for, and Robert Saleh in this defense our defensive coordinator is pretty excited because they think they can do a lot of fun things with him. So again, let's let's just talk a little bit. He was a three-year starter at BYU, 262 career tackles, six and a half sacks, and seven interceptions with 13 passes defense. And this is kind of where his value in this defense is. Length and coverage ability from the linebacker position is vital because he's going to be playing that will spot. That's where he needs to be, and he is going to be covering guys out in the flats and up the seam so that inside wide receiver, if they're hitting the seam or the tight end or in trips, if they're trying to stretch the field vertically, stretch the field vertically that is going to be one of his jobs and his length and playmaking ability is solid so he's one of those guys again with reuben foster that you can keep out there for all three downs um, again i already said his number one trait is gap integrity and making sure he always does his jobs he's the type of guy that he's not going to get a lot of tackle for losses but he's going to stop the home run play on the back side. So if a play busts loose and it would have been a 50-yard touchdown, he's going to be the guy that tackles him for a gain of 10. So that's just who he is. He makes everybody safe and sound. Again, not a highlight reel player, uh, not very explosives, but he doesn't make mistakes. The one thing that uh, is a critique that I do have of him is he does hop a little bit when he's a player in space trying to figure out what he's going to do and be impatient. Uh, So footwork is an issue, but again, very comfortable in coverage, and he closes extremely well in front of him, and every one of his hardest hits that I saw on film out of three years was in the passing game. He's not the type of guy that's going to blow up the running back one-on-one in the hole, but as he's getting depth in his drop and they throw a pass underneath them on a crossing route to a tight end or whatever, and he comes down to close down, that is whenever he's blowing people up. So that seems to be his favorite thing to do is guard tight ends and just knock the bejesus out of them whenever at the point of contact. He's really, really good at that. John Lynch said right after they drafted him that his skill set mimics exactly what we want to do. Comfortable in space and looked great at the Senior Bowl. He really improved his stock down there in Mobile, and, and that kind of bumped him up into that third-round range. Now, a rookie deal, third-round pick is just beautiful on the books. His salary cap this year, 732 k 900000 next year, 2020, $1.1 million, 20, uh, 2021, sorry about that, $1.2 million. So super cheap, and because, again, he's in the third round, we just have him for four years on a rookie deal. So those two guys, absolute locks, and this is my last lock that we have, and that is Malcolm Smith. Now, Malcolm Smith is a mystery. You don't know what you're getting with this guy. Uh, he's 29 years old, six foot, 225 pound. He was a seventh round pick from out of USC to Seattle a long time ago. So, and this is where it gets weird because his strengths are speed. He ran a 4 4 4 40. That's a lot of fours, Um, but a 4.44 40-yard dash at that size is unreal. He's one of those guys that's just, again, like a Madden character where he's just ripped out of his mind and just completely solid. Now, his weaknesses is consistency. He is a freak when it comes to speed, but he is not very consistent. And he's played with two teams. One team he played great. One team he played bad. We'll talk about that. Last year, we signed him to a huge deal. Five-year, $26.5 million deal last year, and he tears his peck right before the season started and didn't play one snap. He was out the entire year. We really could have used him last year. But he's going to be that added depth and will probably be starting week one alongside Warner because I think Malcolm Smith is going to be playing in Reuben Foster's suspended absence for those first two games. After that, he's going to be fighting with Warner for that will spot. So... His contract is a mess, especially these first two years. He counts a lot against the cap. And we can do this because we have rookies, so it balances out. So in 2018, he's 4.4 million against this year, 5.4 next year, 2020, 6.1 million, and 2021, 6.5 million. Now the cap numbers protect him this year and next year. We're not cutting him this year. There's no way. He's locked to make it because we lose so much money. Even if we do cut cut him, it's not going to help us. And the same thing next year. He's going to be a 49er for this year and next year, whether he's solid or not. However, after 2019, so after next year, I really do think he's going to be a cap casualty unless he plays at an elite level, which if we drafted Fred Warner to play – and if Fred Warner is half of what we expect, then we won't need Malcolm Smith at a $6 million deal. And I think he'll be cut because if we cut him after next year, that saves us $9 million on the cap. So if things get tight, not this year, not beginning next year, but after that, I think he's going to be gone. Now his play, it, it, it's, it's interesting because in 2012 and 2013, uh, great years. He, he was amazing up there in Seattle and was part of that legit defense uh, he had two kind of big famous plays, and I hate to even bring this one up, but both these guys play for us now, so why not? When Richard Sherman tipped the pass that was going to Crabtree at the end of the NFC Championship game in 2013, uh, Malcolm Smith was the guy that caught the ball, uh, and that ended our hopes um, to go to the Super Bowl that year. So, And then in the Super Bowl the next week against Denver, or in two weeks, he had that big pick six against Peyton Manning where he ran it back for the touchdown there. So And again, that's just a highlight of what he can be. He knows the system. He's played three years in the exact same system we coach. And not only three years, but he sat back last year and was at all the meetings and stuff, but was injured. So he is probably the most senior whenever it comes to understanding coverages, responsibilities, and how to play in this scheme. That's why he's so valuable to us. But what happened is, They draft Bobby Wagner that played the same spot, and they didn't need him anymore, so they let him walk. He goes to Oakland. They switch their defensive scheme. He plays out of position, and he was just absolutely trash in Oakland. And then we got him. So he will be the starting Mike, as I said, with Foster suspended for those two games. But after that, he's going to be fighting snaps with Warner. So we will just have to see. I wouldn't be surprised if they just let Warner play early down work at first and then before that, he does all three downs, but we will see. So those three are the locks, uh, Reuben Foster, Fred Warner, and Malcolm Smith. Now, the last guy that I got getting in and going to have them keeping four inside linebackers is Brock Coyle. Now, he is a maybe, and the reason why he is a maybe is he has the lowest talent of anybody probably on our defense, and I don't say that to be mean. He is very low ceiling. I'm not trying to be mean. But what he, what he has in lack of talent, he makes up for because he knows everything. He's always where he needs to be whenever talent's not an issue. <laughs> Inside the box, he's where he needs to be. Outside the box, speed becomes an issue, and sometimes he's a step or two late. But he knows every linebacker spot we have. And he could make all of the defensive calls and get everybody lined up. And that's why he is a guy that will be staying. Now, he's 28 years old, 6'1", 245, a little bit bigger, and super slow compared to the other guys that are in this linebacker uh, unit. He is an undrafted free agent out of Montana, um, which took him a while to catch on, a couple practice squads, so on and so forth. But he has moved his way up, again, out of Montana. I love that football program. Uh, but anyway... Very limited physically, and if Reuben stayed out of trouble, man, this is probably going to be Coyle's last year. So unfortunately, he's kind of tied to Reuben Foster having issues. But I think that this will probably be his last year. We'll talk about his contract and what that means coming up. He was rated as the number 70th linebacker by Pro Football Focus. He had a negative grade in every phase: run, pass rush, coverage, man coverage. Like I mean, it just there's no good. Uh, to his game he's the opposite of a playmaker but a great attitude huge locker room guy and knows all of the calls and all of the linebacker positions and loves playing on special teams he's just one of those guys that you just want with your team and everybody loves him so they signed him to an extension last year they gave him a three-year 8.4 million dollar deal now having said that very low guarantees on every single year: two million this year, three point two next year, and in twenty twenty three point one. But he be he could be cut at any time, and it's not going to be a huge cap hit on anything. So, um, I I like rooting for the kid. I just don't like seeing him out there. Um, <laughs> he's not the type of person that should ever start for a team, let alone he's a guy that should be playing when people get injured or suspended. In our case, so. The guys that he is just beating out, and I think there's some competition here. The first one is Corey Toomer, 30 years old, 6'2", 235. He was a fifth-round pick out of Idaho, the Vandals. I love that. Uh, Former Seattle guy again. So you can kind of see this theme here. We are bringing in guys that have played in the scheme with this coach that he knows and is familiar with. Now, Toomer played 15 games last year for the Chargers and was legit. Uh, he didn't get a lot of snaps at linebacker. 266 snaps were on special teams, and so that's kind of what he was. But the snaps that he did get at linebacker, man, he was legit. He graded out as the number 22 linebacker but didn't have enough snaps to qualify for PFF standards. But if he, if you extrapolate that over a full season starting, you could see the potential here. So you have these two players that are fighting for this last roster spot um, and Brock Coyle. Coil and Corey Toomer. And they, they are so night and day different. One of them has a very, very high ceiling. The other one is very slow. It has a low ceiling, but understands everything and kind of all those things. I wouldn't be surprised, and this is a what-if game, but whatever. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the cut through the foster suspension. So he makes it the first two weeks along with Coil, And then whoever plays better out of those two, they get to keep their job. So – He's signed on a pretty cheap deal, one-year, $880,000 deal. So it's a prove-it deal, kind of veteran minimum deal. He is 30 years old. But I think that he has a chance to play his way into staying on this team. So I love bringing in the competition there. And the last guy I want to talk about is Dakota Watson, 30 years old, 6'2", 245. He was a seventh-round pick out of Florida State in the Seminoles. Uh, And Tampa Bay drafted him. He's kind of journeyed around wherever. He played 14 games for us last year once all of the injuries and all that stuff he was the guy that was going to be waived every week but some new issue came about whether that was foster getting hurt malcolm smith getting hurt uh releasing navarro bowman uh, all the, ray ray armstrong getting hurt all these things and so he was a guy that just stayed on the roster he only took 88 defensive snaps but he was around 288 special team snaps he was just a guy that was there his contract, um, he signed last year, three years, $5.1 million. So he's a $1.6 million this year and $2 million next year. But again, he's got an outside fighting chance, and this might be his last chance in the NFL. So we'll see. I, I don't have him making it, but you never know. There's so much value there to be made on special teams. So if you compile all that data... And everything that we spend on the inside linebacker position, we're actually doing really, really well. Even with that terrible Malcolm Smith contract, we pay the 19th most we, uh, at the position. So that is the inside linebackers. And just to kind of recap the four that I have making it: uh, Ruben Foster, obviously, uh, that guy's not going anywhere. Fred Warner, a third-round pick. Malcolm Smith, who we paid big money for but was injured last year. And Brock Coyle. And then the guys that I have barely making the cut. And, again, it changes with those first two weeks. And that's Corey Toomer and Dakota Watson. Now, if you haven't already, hit subscribe. Uh, Just Google 40 or look up 49ers on iTunes or wherever you get them. We are the first podcast. And next week, I guess not next week here in about three days, we will be doing outside linebackers slash Leos. Huge (laughs) This might be one of the most important positions for the 49ers in the upcoming year. We've been very, very weak there, and we got a lot of guys to talk about. So stay tuned and stay strong, faithful.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.